Welcome to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. Happy to welcome back my Green Beige brother, Mr. AJ. He is the green. I am Ken. I am the beige. And this is another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. AJ, how's it going, my brother? Good. Good, man. No complaints right now. Had a, a little time to just decompress and, you know, just, um, yeah, just start over from scratch. I'm, I'm ready. Ready for this week. Excellent. I am glad to hear that, sir. Well, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor as we go through this week's episode. Mm-hmm. You know, emotions have been running high in a lot of quarters and in a lot of situations. So as I was preparing for this week, I found that my emotions are running a little high sometimes as well. So if you find that I am getting a little too amped up, you know, just, just help me um, come back down. Please. There's only one topic I see here that could make you be getting that amped up. Well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So Tell me, I gone for a weekend. You changed that much, boy? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's probably that you know that you you left for a week, and in that time, I got more in tune with myself. Understand. And now, because I'm so in tune with myself, mm-hmm. now, yeah, I I'm boiling or looking or feeling like if too much of the personality may may come out i see i see understood all right so off the rip you know we like to go what the what and this week there's only one place that what the what can really start and that's um with the oscars so you know this weekend it was the oscars did you watch the oscars I, I will tell you quite frankly, no, I didn't. Um, I do not watch the Oscars. I don't, I don't really have any, want to have anything to do with that. But that is a separate discussion for a separate time. <laughs> but I don't, really, I don't really mess around with the Oscars. But I have a wife. And as we were both on our phones while we were, like, just had the TV on in front of us. And after the incident, which I'm pretty sure you were about to, to broach, um, took place she wanted to see the remainder of I, I i wasn't even going to watch the remainder of it but she wanted to tune in so i'm like all right cool and that we did so we just saw like maybe the final 45 minutes to an hour or something like that okay well you saw a lot more than me because i didn't watch more than two minutes of the broadcast and you know which two minutes i saw yeah. No. first <laughs> let's shout out to mr samuel l jackson the highest grossing actor of all time whose movies has earned a combined 7.42 billion dollars that's billion with a b and he was awarded a lifetime achievement oscar so congratulations to him congrats samuel l yeah no he is definitely one of the greatest actors of all time and a man whose use of a particular expletive almost makes it seem like if we should be paying him royalties if anybody else is using it. <laughs> but his award wasn't televised. So, yeah, I'm talking about Will Smith's slapping of Chris Rock. Everybody's seen it, so I don't need to go through it in any great, great detail. So what is your reading of this situation? take a deep breath before i start there's a lot to unpack in this situation oh yeah there's a lot to unpack um well the very first like uh like the 
very first debate I was in subsequent to that happening was whether it was real or not. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the thing is, I mean, a lot of signs point towards it being a little bit of, a little bit staged, mm-hmm. but for me, right, first of all, let me, before I get into it, for me, Chris Rock's reaction did not to me seem like that of someone who was in on a, a prank or a scheme of that nature, right? Mm-hmm. And if you've seen Chris Rock acting, you know that if Chris Rock was really <laughs> acting in that in that um, sequence, then he really deserved an Oscar that night himself, right? <laughs> and that was probably one of his best performances ever, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, all jokes aside, on, on a more serious note, so let, let's let's forget like whether it's fake or not or whatever, because mm-hmm. I still can't find any, I still have not heard any rationale as to why like both him and Chris Rock would be, like um, both Chris Rock, sorry, and Will Smith would be in on this uh, to the point where it, get, it escalates to this and like it still hasn't been um, outed as like some sort of prank, right? Mm-hmm. So assuming that this is actually real or it was real, oh, first of all, let me say that the, in my humble opinion, the most wrong, not wronged, but most wrong party here mm-hmm. is Will Smith. Yes. I, I, I know there's, that, there, that, that, that is a very divisive, um, the entire incident is very divisive at this point because some people, they laud him for doing that, for defending his wife and whatnot. And as a married man, I, I trust me, I have no qualms over defending your wife. But at the same time, that doesn't always necessarily necessarily need mean that it needs to resort to to like physicality. Mm-hmm. So to walk up and slap another grown man is I it, it was it was juvenile to me. It was juvenile. Um it, the, the entire situation is so weird, Ken, because I swear this man was laughing before he got up. It's like he was laughing, and Jada like gave him the signal, like just give him the two tap on the leg, and then he get up like I like he was an iRobot and and marched towards it. Anyhow, I I don't like what Will did. I think it was it 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 was it was reminiscent of like a schoolboy trying to trying to to pull a rank in front of other. Like, I went to all boys school. We had an all-girls school right next to us. Both of our schools used to let out at the same time. You know how many times you see incidents like this as a school child? With one trying to pull a rank and like to impress, to impress girls. And that's what it felt like. Like not a, a man, a grown man with a family. And you know, like it was it was childish, Neanderthal even. Um so to to, to Chris Rock and his part in this, um I could and I I, I let me state firstly, put a disclaimer. I'm I'm kind of a fan of, of comedy. Like I'm I'm a deep comedy fan. I grew up on comedy. From the time I was like 11 years old, I was watching like Comic View. When when um the Kings of Comedy came out in 2000, when we would have been like 13, you probably 14, something like that years old. Mm-hmm. I was allowed to watch that at that stage. My father's <laughs> into comedy. He allowed me to watch that. Right? I was in secondary school. He was like, "Yeah, big man, no, do you think?" <laughs> I, and that is one of my favorite, favorite, favorites of all. Like, so I like that. You know, that's like DL specialty too. We like to pick on people in the crowd. So I'm saying all this to say that, in my opinion, if if Chris Rock knew about that condition and made a joke, I understand why why people would say it's distasteful. And to me, in that sense, it would be distasteful as well. 
if he didn't know about it, to me, it's, it's, it's comedy and it's fair game. Like, I, I don't, I honestly don't see the big deal. I really don't. I really don't because, because everybody that is up in arms over it, up in arms because Jada is up in arms. If Jada was comfortable with it and Chris Rock made the joke and she was laughing herself, nobody else would be, would have anything to say. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. So it, to me, like his, Chris being right or wrong is kind of dependent on whether or not he knew that. But in, in, in that same vein, I do understand the need, especially now with cancer culture, I understand the need for him and his PR team to issue some sort of apology. The way Will already had, well, I should say Will's PR team, because I'm pretty sure he didn't write that. That was his PR team doing, doing um, damage control. Um, but I, I'm, I completely understand why people would say Chris was wrong. I, you know what? I, 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 I don't want to get into Jada because I'm not a big fan of her. I, I, I was, I was kind of waning when she brought up this red table talk. Not that she's not allowed to do it. No, again, mind you, let me say that she is an incredible actress. She has paid her dues in this industry. I take nothing away from her, right? Mm-hmm. I, I watch this woman as far back as a different world and all kind of thing. She's incredible. The way she has gone about publicizing and to me making sort of a circus and freak show of her marriage, because like, because to me that's not, is, what she's doing is not normal. And for the sake of views, I don't respect it. Especially the whole going to the, the bringing people to the table and then bringing Will to the table to then confess to the entire world that she had and still couldn't come out and say, well, yeah, I was in a sexual relationship. I was in an entanglement, still fighting with words like a school child. Again, like a school, school child behavior. I, I don't rate it. I, 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 I'm not a fan of, of Jada. I'm not a fan of Jada. I, I do think that she has, she is displaying some toxic traits, but far be it from me to, to speak on their, really, I'm not talking about their marriage, but I just don't like the way she handles things for the sake of views. So, I ain't gonna even get into the part that she played in that night. It, that was between the two gentlemen, and I think that they will eventually solve that because they're professionals. But I think Will needs help, though. Will is in a sunken place, but the floor is yours, sir. Okay, so I see this whole situation twofold. No, one is much more serious, and the other one, well, we as black people, we are going to find the jokes in any situation and the memes that have been flying since Sunday night bear testament to that. So firstly, the joke that Chris Rock told to me was relatively innocuous, especially compared to many of the jokes that are told at these award shows. No, that's Ricky Gervais. There you go. So Chris Rock said that he wasn't aware that Jado had alopecia, which I have no reason to doubt because... Well, as Will and Jada, and they have the propensity to overshare, I didn't know that Jada had alopecia until a few weeks ago. So unless they I only found out follow that on the night. Oh, there you go. No, I've seen her in a couple things. Like she, she was in the Equalizer that Queen Latifah does. Mm-hmm. Fun show that shows on CBS. She was in an episode and she still had her hair cut off. And I know I've been seeing her with her hair cut off for a while. So I was like, what's going on that Jada has her hair cut off? So I, I went and looked it up and okay. saw, oh, Jada has alopecia. Okay. And, you know, to me, 
live right on. So for everyone that's saying that Chris Rock had to know this, I think it, I think they're being a little unfair to him unless Sorry. someone Sorry. told him specifically that she had alopecia. <clears throat> All right. So we come to this the sequence of events, which everybody is seeing. You know, Rock told the joke. Everybody has seen that Will was laughing at the joke and Jada was not amused. So apparently, Jada's displeasure is enough to earn Rock a whooping on international television. All right? No, I'm not going any further on this. Well, as to exactly what happened, but Chris Rock didn't retaliate. He hasn't pressed charges. Will still got his Oscar. I know both of them have issued apologies. But... Well, so I was looking it up. Apparently, that Chris one isn't it isn't true though, because I even did check his pages. There's okay. nothing. There's no form of any apology on his page. I, 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 well, that was earlier on today. I haven't seen anything come up, but apparently, that wasn't that wasn't actually true. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, if he hasn't um, apologized, then <laughs> that's also for me. That's also fine because I don't know why I'd be apologizing for a man walking up to me and slapping these tastes out of my mouth, but <laughs> to each their own. Now, the one thing that I did also think about it is, think about is that I hope everyone understands that it, this isn't, no, this doesn't give you license. It isn't open season or comics who might decide to crack a joke on you. And when I was, when I was looking at the video, AJ, where was the security? Mm. Because he cracked a joke and you saw Will get up. Where's security at that point? So you know that the security is going to be much more prepared the next time somebody decides to step on stage like this. Now, imagine if me and you were at the show and Chris Rock decided to crack a joke on one of our wives and we got vexed and decided we're going to come down from the nosebleed seats because, you know, obviously we're not sitting down close. To, we, we're not getting those seats close to the stage. So we're coming from half mile up the road to walk onto stage to slap Chris Rock. Now, if that was any ordinary Joe, he'd been thrown out of there faster than jazz in the Fresh Prince. But because of Will's reputation as happy-go-lucky, affable Will Smith, then nobody thought that this was going to be a problem. Now, if he was another celebrity known for throwing those hands, he would have been dealt with with the swiftness. But again, salute to Chris Rock for standing there and taking that like a G. I'll take as, it like a champ. As everybody else has been saying, if that were somebody else... Or if that were them, chances are they would have retaliated in the moment. I, chances are, might not have retaliated in the moment because my attorney would have been already writing the letter and putting some dollar signs and some zeros on it. That would have been that's it. A, that's exactly it. And, and I've, I've had this discussion ad nauseum uh, since, since it took place, just even earlier on today. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same. Like, I would not, I wouldn't have retaliated. I would not have retaliated with, like, for what reason? I'm not a genuinely, I'm not, not genuinely in this case, but I'm not gen, a generally violent person. So my initial insta- instinct would, or reaction rather, would have been one more of shock. I would have kind of been shocked at, because I wouldn't have been expecting that. Because mm-hmm. like I was telling someone, like, people saying that he put his face there for the staff. And I'm like, yeah, but you see Will Smith coming up to you. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Chris's thought was already right, coming to say something to me. So he like yeah. put his head forward, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 
I, there was met with a five finger special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, boy, look, I, I don't know what to make of that. Man. I, when people want to get, I, I feel like it's, it's, they just, people just need to, to find a way to, to bring him down too because, because it, I, Ken, this is a lot. Yeah, let me just move on. Yeah, let me just move on. Let's move on. So now in football news, the owners of the the 32 NFL teams have had their annual owners meeting in Palm Beach, Florida, and there are lots of interesting stories coming out of these meetings. The big breaking news on Tuesday was that the NFL has acknowledged that the Rooney Rule was failing and they've mandated that a woman or a minority coach must be hired for the 2022 season as an offensive assistant and work along with the head coaches to expand the pool of minority coaches becoming offensive coordinators, as that is now the most prevalent route to head coaching positions in the NFL. The new provisions include that they've added women to the language of the Rooney Rule at all levels. It will now read that women and or people of color can satisfy the requirement to interview two external minorities for top positions, including head coach. Women are not required to be interviewed, but they are now included in the fulfillment process. They've also publicized a mission statement to encourage and attract diverse members of prospective ownership groups. The statement reads in part, the members, the membership will regard it as a positive and meaningful factor if the group includes diverse individuals who would have a significant equity stake in and involvement with the club, including serving as the controlling owner of the club. And you're using the current sale of the Denver Broncos as a test case. And then thirdly, They've announced a diversity advisory committee, part of Goodell's pledge to invite outside experts to evaluate the league's diversity. Among his six members is former Houston Texans general manager Rick Smith, and he also includes former New Jersey attorney general Peter Harvey and Pamela Carlton, the founder and president of Springboard. So what do you think of all of this? And I, I don't like it. I actually really hate it. I'll be very honest with you. Because it doesn't make sense to me. And I'll, I'll tell you what doesn't. Okay. Um, okay, so just to reiterate what you said very quickly. So all teams have to hire a woman or a person, a uh, minority, specifically to be a part of the uh, like offensive, like assistant position or basically part of the offensive coordinating team mm-hmm. and whatnot. And the teams also must have this person in on the decision-making process, right? Now, that's, that's one thing. But you know what really struck, um, stuck out to me when I was reading the article? Is that they're saying that they're, this, the, person, the person in the position will be paid from a special fund of the owners or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, What? It's the most bogus thing ever to me. It because it sounds like it sounds like a parent paying someone to take their child to the prom because no one asked him or her to, to, to go. I I it's it just seems really forced and like like you could enforce you can you can I I mean if they put this in writing and which they have and 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 will they will be able to enforce these things upon teams right. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't actually correct the overarching issue. 
It doesn't. And and you mentioned some of, of the um, Art Rooney the seconds comments that the article outlined and talking about like coaches are coming from more offensive positions. It's the decision to put them in the offensive side of the team and you know, like it's a better pathway um, to get more women and minorities in, in those positions. Okay, tell that to Eric Bienemy, yeah. <laughs> tell that to Eric Bienemy. Uh, I I I just don't like how this sounds. <sighs> I just don't like how this sounds. I, it just seems very forced to me. And before I hand it over to you, let me say this one last thing. I'll leave it at this. I'd hate to be that token person in, in, in each of these organizations that, that got this job just because the boss, being the NFL as, as, an, as a brand, just wants to look good. Okay. So I looked at all three of them, all three of the stuff that they said. So I'm going to start with the second one first. So this whole thing of the mission statement to encourage and attack, attract diverse members of prospective ownership groups. Mission statements mean nothing if not backed up by action. And the Rooney Rule was good in theory, but in practice, mm -hmm. we know that it has been something completely different. Mm -hmm. We will wait and see where that one is concerned. Now, a diversity advisory committee, number three, coming up second, isn't needed when you know that you're failing in diversity. We don't need someone to come in and evaluate the league's diversity. You know that if you have not been doing a good job. The, the NFL has instituted a six-man committee to deal with discipline after rare race, and they're still very inconsistent in their application. So I honestly mm. don't know what point this committee will serve. It won't cause more black coaches to be hired. It won't help Kaepernick get a job, nor will it help with concussion evaluation or other issues that the NFL has habitually failed on. So I am not impressed by creating another committee with black people on it. No, I didn't even bother to highlight the stuff that you just mentioned about like that it's not the teams that are going to be paying these people, but it's coming out of this special fund. Where's the money coming from for this fund? We don't have money and we're constantly fighting the players about the split in revenue, but we're going to create this fund to pay people that apparently the teams didn't even want to have on their team in the first place. Exactly. This is exactly my point. This is bogus, Ken. It is bogus. You're essentially saying, okay, well, y'all don't have a choice. These people need to be there, but don't worry. We'll, we'll pay for it, but you yeah, have to have these them. people in your team. Yeah, but we can pay them. You don't need to pay them, but they have to be on your team. We need to have this look. Like, what? Exactly. It's, I feel so, like you just kind of placate uh, and pacify uh, people with this. I, 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 I actually really hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But boy, if you hate it, if you hate it already, I'm no, I've no gotten to the first one. I've <laughs> no gotten back there. No, this is the most interesting one of the three that was highlighted. The mm -hmm. addition of women to the Rooney Rule. It's always interesting that when black people agitate for greater fairness in treatment, the white man remembers that they've also been treating women unfairly, so they have to bring them along too. Now, 
Art Rooney conclude, conceded that the NFL could theoretically interview two white women before making their hire, effectively excluding all persons of color from the interview process. But because of the scarcity of women who could potentially get NFL jobs, it is unlikely. It is unlikely in 2022. But what happens in 2032, AJ? No, they didn't increase the number of interviews needed for the disadvantaged. They just brought in a whole new group and expanded the disadvantaged, which I can't see how it would be positive for the current group of disadvantaged. I am all for the empowerment of women and the granting of opportunity. But when your response after the worst year in the history of minority coaching hires is to add women into the group, it makes me have questions like, why weren't you interviewing women before? Mm -hmm. why do you need to legislate that all women get an opportunity to interview this honestly feels like we're getting all lives mattered on this one I didn't even think about it like that but that's a fair point it is a fair point <sighs> also coming out of the owners meetings is the tweaking of the overtime rules now, this proposal, spearheaded by the Indianapolis Colts and Philadelphia Eagles, allowed for both teams to possess the football in overtime, replacing the standing rule where an opening drive touchdown or defensive score ends the game. Now, what is important to note here is that this is only happening in the playoffs. The regular season, it remains the same. So, what do you think about the new rule change? Um, I think it's about time the rule was changed. Um, granted, I haven't shown much sympathy to teams who've been on the losing end of that scenario um, in, the, in the past, even the recent past. Um, but despite that, I've never been against the change in the rule. I, I, my thought process then was, okay, well, this is the rule. You just have to, like, you, you defense, tell the defense, make a stop then. So I didn't have much sympathy then, but I was never against the rule being changed. Um, so according to the NFL and the reports and whatnot, stats are what played a part in the decision to finally push um, for the rule change. NFL as the body, right? And so here's a, a specific stat for you that I heard today. Um, since 2010, um, 12 playoff games had to be decided by overtime. And in 10 of those 12 instances, the team who won the toss won the game. So apparently that had like, they figured that you know, it, it was that, that there was too overwhelming a balance on one side, or yeah, too overwhelming a, 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 a favor on one side, and it wasn't balanced enough, so they decided to, to change the rule. Now, I don't particularly buy that <laughs> in terms of like their reasoning, and it's because of like 10 out of 12 means that this has been happening for a while, yes. Yeah, so don't act as if it just like last year it was just some kind of aberration and you just decided, you know, well, it was even before, but we're seeing a shift in the tides. No, no, I, I'm, I ain't buying that. Um, I think what, what caused it is that the current state of the NFL with regards to, to quarterback play is what influenced that decision more than anything. And quite specifically, and we all know this and hold this to be true, that Bills versus Chiefs 
divisional game last year, yeah. right? Fans of the sport do not want to miss another opportunity to see high-level quarterbacks dueling it out to see who comes out on top, right? And then in turn, that gives the NFL more viewership. And of course, it puts a positive spike on their bottom line, which is the bottom line. Yep. The NFL ain't tricking me with that. That's really <laughs> what it's about. But I, I, and, and what I'll say before I turn it over to you is that I'm actually, I'm actually glad that this applies only to the playoffs. I, I, I like the fact that it is a playoff rule and that the regular season stays the way it is. Okay. No, I'm actually on the other side, on the, on the other side of this to you. Yeah. I'd rather it stay as is. Honestly. No, this feels like a much ado about little situation. And what I'm saying now echoes a lot of what I had said. And after that divisional playoff game with the Chiefs and the Bills, mm. we know that offense is more exciting for viewership. Nobody wants to sit down and watch a game from the 6-3. Like what happened with the Jacksonville Jaguars when they, I think it was the same Bills that it was the Bills, it was the Bills, yeah. <laughs> the Bills 6-3, right? So nobody, nobody is wanting to sit down and watch defense dominate games and very little offensive production because points points are what drives ratings, right? But the fact still remains that even if you lose the coin toss, you still have the ability to keep the opposition out the end zone. So when we talk about the overtime rules and you know, you just cited the numbers out of the last 12, the team that won the toss won the game. But Sorry, 10 of the 12 won the game after winning the toss. But you know who is one of the two that lost the toss and still won the game? The Cincinnati Bengals in this last playoff season. When they lost the toss against the Chiefs, defense made a stop and then they won the game. So what are we really doing here? So are we saying then that we can forget about defense? We can just have a trap meet that effectively could be tied at the end of the 10-minute overtime, so we just keep playing, we just keep going. When you think of player safety, this that has to be an untenable situation. You cannot allow the game to just continue ad infinitum because you want to see good quarterback play. But as you said, it's all about the bottom line, right? So the continuous game of football that could potentially end at 90 to 87 means a potential increase in the viewership at the sacrifice of the players' bodies. No, I'd rather it stay as is. I hear that. I hear where you're coming from. Um, no, like I started off my portion of my portion, the portion, my portion of this segment by saying I wasn't aggrieved with the rule itself either. Because, like you, from a purist point of view, right? I'm like, yeah, your defense is part of the, of the team too. They have to make a stop as well. Like, just your defense needs to, has to um, get in the game. They need to know, they know what they need to do, right? Yes. So I, I wasn't, that, that's why I wasn't feeling sorry for anyone that lost a toss and then their defense couldn't make a stop. It's like, defense is part of the game. But at the same time, I, I just, I, I, I trust me, I get everything you're saying, but just looking at it from a fan perspective, like who wouldn't want to see like the two quarterbacks being able to have the chance. I mean, I just, it's, 
it would it would be a dream come true to be able to see that in the playoffs. And and like I said, I we all know that this decision came based off the back of that um, Bills Chiefs game mm-hmm. because of the way that came, because of the way that them boys were slinging that ball. And Josh mm-hmm. Allen just didn't get the chance in overtime, and that 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 was a straw that broke the camel's back. And no one wants to. Well, the fans, we don't we don't want to speaking as fan AJ the fan here now. We don't we don't want to possibly miss out on that uh, on seeing that again. We don't. And like I said, the NF for the NFL, it means more viewership. Yeah, and then bottom line, I I do get what you're saying. Though. I do get what you're saying. I'm not completely against it, but. I'm quite okay with the rule being changed. So, so my question to you then, because we're using the Bills-Chiefs game as the launching point or the, the perfect example for what is happening here. What score, if both quarterbacks had an opportunity to possess the ball, what score do you think that game finishes at? I mean, that's a, that's a, a, a very good question. I don't know. Uh, we we don't know we don't know necessarily if um, Josh Allen would have been able to get the ball in the end zone. I'm just saying he didn't even have the opportunity to try. Okay, well, that's what, that's that's all I'm looking at it for. Again, it, it still comes into I still hark back to Kansas City's defense would have had to make stops. But Buffalo's defense also needed to make stops, and I know, they I were agree. the top defense coming into this game, and they could agree. not. So remember. We had, like, what, three touchdowns scoring the last two minutes of the game? Yeah, something like that, yeah. So now we're going to overtime, AJ. And the Chiefs ran, like, five minutes off the clock, and they scored. So now the Bills get the ball. The Bills get the ball. They're the big straight offense that day. So in another two minutes, they score again. The scores are tight again. The 10 minutes are up. We're going into another period of football. And if it keeps going like that, we could, we could easily play another 30 minutes in that game. So guess what happens now, right? We've, we've played 30 minutes in the divisional round. Regardless of which team comes out on top, they've no run 30 minutes more than the team that they're going up against in the next round. We're creating a problem that need not exist because if the game finishes in that first overtime period, then we don't have all of these players now saying, oh, my body's so banged up. I, you know, I have to be in the ice tub now for basically every day this week. People are going to have foot injuries, knee injuries, shoulder injuries from the tackles that they're taking. It's a cold night. That was a very cold night, I think, in, in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. If it was, even if it was Kansas City, it was still cold. Yeah, it's still cold. So yeah. you have all of this now that is adding up on the bodies of these players. Now who have to go play another game? They don't have a week off, so there's no extra time to recover for playing all of this extra football. So again, if we're talking player safety, if we're supposed to care about the players, how are we doing this to them? We already have them playing an additional game. In the regular season, we have an additional team in the playoffs, so only one team gets the boy. I know we're gonna tell them that potentially, if your defense don't make any starts and your offense is humming that game, that you're gonna have to play all this extra football. Come on! But but this, first of all, 
Oh, sorry, did I cut you off? Or you? No, I was done. I was done. Okay. So my rebuttal to that would be this. Um, the mantra can still apply that to the same thing that we were seeing last year. It can still apply even with this rule. Your defense needs to make stops. Agree. Right? right. So that is still applicable. Um, secondly, you asked me a question. So let me ask you a hypothetical question. Sure. If you are, <laughs> I mean, if you're Josh Allen and you hear that this rule has, has changed, I mean, the, honestly, the first thing he might think is, well, why the hell this didn't happen last year? But if you're, <laughs> let, let's say you are Josh Allen and you end up in that situation again, this year, let's say it's the Chiefs again, mm-hmm. and, and you're, you end up in that situation, situation, you lose the coin toss, and then the Chiefs go like, let's say, okay, let's say like whatever happened last year was, was to take place this year. Do you think that he would not, which situation that do you think he would be more content with, like being able to get the ball or do you think he would be worrying more like, oh, well, yeah, this extra time. I mean, when these guys are in the playoffs, all that, that is on their mind is to go all the way, right? Mm-hmm. They, they're trying to go all the way. So I, I feel like I, while I do get where you're coming from, I don't know if their thoughts would align with that at, at that time. Because I feel like this is just me. But I think that Josh Allen would relish the opportunity more to be able to go out on the field than actually thinking, you know what, this is too much. Like, I, this is too much wear and tear on my body. He's going to want to get that job done and then figure out a way to be able to do the next week. But I want to know what, the, what do you think Josh Allen's thought process would be if he had those two options? In the, min- in the moment, he would be glad for the opportunity to get on the field. but. If it goes as I described, when he is going home after that game and his body is bruised and sore, and he says, boy, and I got I got I gotta try and make sure to be ready for this game next week. That's a, that's a completely different story. That is a completely different story. He he can worry about that in the offseason. You might want to win. <laughs> yeah, but when you're going up, all right, so let's say that that happened, right? And no, the, the team is going up against the Bengals, who also, I'm trying to, no, they, they didn't go to overtime. They won on the last second field goal. So the, the Bengals, they played their hour that they're supposed to play mm-hmm. and then went off to the ice baths and then rested and relaxed and watched this game play the next day because it's not, you know, some games play Saturday, some games play Sunday. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're at home watching the game on Sunday and they're saying, yeah, but this man, this man don't plan to stop playing. You know, you know what that tells you? You know what that would tell me? Is that for my offense, knowing that their defense would have been on the field for all of that additional time, I'm now looking to run the ball. I'm forcing them Ashley, I might not even run the ball. I might pass the ball. I want to keep. I want to keep as much time on the clock as possible because when you see that fourth quarter come around, their legs are going to be dead. They're not going to have anything on offense or defense to be able to keep up with me at that point. And at that point is when I run the ball down their throats. No, I no. There is too much that can go wrong here. I I prefer if it was to stay the way it was. All right, fair. I just, I just think that any quarterback that is in the position where they are on the losing end of the toss would rather have the like go sit on the bench, knowing that all right, I, even if 
my opposition scores, I have the opportunity to come back on and do what I need to do in my position to get my team back into the game. So I just think they don't, they, they, they choose that a hundred times over. Okay. No problem. Well, I know we will see lots of comments on this conversation oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, as the week progresses. Now, after Devontae Adams, your guy, reset the wide receiver market last week, Terry Hill came in and reset it again by manufacturing a four-year, $120 million contract with the Miami Dolphins. He now joins a wide receiver room with Jalen Waddle, Devontae Parker, and fellow new arrival Cedric Wilson from the no, well, former Dallas Cowboys. Does this move make the Dolphins contenders, or are they still pretenders? Well, the Dolphins are still pretenders. <laughs> Dolphins are still pretenders. That doesn't that move doesn't put them anywhere closer to winning the AFC. Um, the Bills are still because first of all, they're still in the division with the Buffalo Bills, and I, I have to be saying this as a Patriots fan, right? But the reality is, they're still in the division with the Buffalo Bills. The way that the AFC is set up right now, the, the Dolphins will have to be inch perfect all season to be able to get out of that division in second place, right? Because other divisions are so stacked, it's possible that at least two other divisions in the AFC can have, at, you know, like be, have three teams at least vying down to week 17. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the Dolphins are, going, like I said, they're going to be, have to be on their P's and Q's for 17 games this season. That's not going to happen with Tua Tagovailoa as quarterback. Nah, you ain't tricking me. You ain't tricking me with that. Nah, never. I, you feel like adding Tyreek Hill. I mean, no, don't get me wrong. Tyreek Hill is a major boost to that offense. He, there's a lot that he has in his arsenal that he can add. And he probably might even be able to help Tua because he, he's a, a man that's able to, to get so much yardage after the catch because of what he can do. He, he's a playmaker. He is mm-hmm. a playmaker, right? And that could benefit Tua. But I just don't have faith in Tua. At the end of the day, if we're talking about, like, how, how far are they? Like, I, I don't even think they make the playoffs. And, and with all of, of the firepower that they're trying to accumulate, because you mentioned these guys, but it's, it's not even, they brought in another receiver, if I remember correctly. I think they're, they're well, probably going to get rid of Devontae Parker, who's actually a good receiver, you know. Mm-hmm, and um, I don't forget that they, they still um, franchise tag Jasicki and whatnot. So, with all these options that they're stockpiling offensively, to still keep Tua Tagovailoa as quarterback is, is you're not really progressing. I mean, it's like, it's kind of like one step forward, two steps back. Mm-hmm. I, I think the Dolphins are pretenders for everything, for the division title, <laughs> or to win the AFC, and definitely to win the Super Bowl, going all the way. I should have come, come go start forward and come back, but you get what I mean. They're pretenders yeah. all around, all around. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree that the quarterback throwing on the ball will make all the difference in this situation. As Tua has not shown himself to be a very good quarterback, let alone a great one. Now, the threat of Tyreek Hill, as you said, and I agree with this 100%, he is definitely a playmaker and his abilities and his speed mm-hmm. after the catch definitely is a threat, but his threat is diminished when the quarterback can't throw the ball down the field at velocity. So that's the problem. That is going to be the issue with him going to Miami. So, yeah, I have to agree that they'll be pretenders. But the question, and this one wasn't 
listed here that this just mm-hmm. came to mind. So mm-hmm. who do you think is going to miss the other more? Do you think Patrick Mahomes is going to miss Tyreek Hill or Tyreek Hill is going to miss Patrick Mahomes? Tyreek Hill is definitely going to miss Patrick Mahomes more than Mahomes will miss Tyreek Hill. <laughs> that, no, no. Granted, I, I went to look up Tyreek Hill's stats, right? And mm-hmm. again, still an amazing player, playmaker, all of that. His numbers dipped slightly last year, right? And yes. I'm not saying that, that 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 is his fault, but he had arguably the most talented QB in the league, right? And I still say arguably because it's still debate him or Aaron Rodgers, whatever, but mm-hmm. he has Patrick Mahomes. We know what Patrick Mahomes can do. Yes. Right? Tua Tungvaluwa is not that. So all the ways that Mahomes was able to, to extend plays and then just launch it like 70, 80 yards to get the ball <laughs> down to Tyree, you ain't getting that from Tua, though. You're mm-hmm. not getting that from Tua. But, but Patrick Mahomes would still possibly be able to do this and, and launch it down the field to, to Juju and Valdez Scantling. Ty, Tyree Kill is definitely going to miss. Like, there's no... <laughs> The, the wide receiver needs to get their ball, to get um, the ball into their hands to be able to make plays. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, Patrick Mahomes will get that ball into his receiver's hand. And I mentioned the fact that that Hill stats dipped a little bit. Mind you, he had, I, I don't have the stats up now, but I'm, I, I think he, had, he actually had more targets and more catches this season, but less yards. And, and remember, we spoke at, about this previously as well. And part of that was defenses were, were, were playing the two, the two high safeties to, to keep him out of the game, to, to avoid him getting over the top and make, being able to make that big play, right? So they were keeping him underneath, mm-hmm. right? And no, I'm not saying that will stop him every single week. Terry yeah. Hill is going to make plays. But the fact of the matter is defenses have figured him out, out a little bit. And mm-hmm. no, he's playing with a quarterback who hasn't figured out himself. <laughs> So, <laughs> so he is definitely going to miss being a Kansas City Chief alongside Patrick Mahomes more than Patrick Mahomes is going to miss him as a receiver because, and again, Patrick Mahomes coaches Andy Reid. Andy Reid will adapt. I have yes. the utmost faith that Andy Reid will adapt and, and, and tailor this offense um, to suit the receivers that he currently has at his, at his disposal. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's pretty much nothing more for me to add there. Like, Patrick Mahomes, he still has Travis Kelsey, and he will have Miko Hardman, who and, and, right. is still a burner. And these men still have enough picks to draft a receiver, a, a receiver in this draft that is supposed to be heavily loaded with receivers. Yep, they're good. They're good. Yep, they're definitely good. Yeah. Now, of course, this leads into a greater conversation about the contracts that these teams have been giving to these players and the effect on the wider roster construction. The two biggest earners now for wide receivers could be considered cap casualties after the teams give their respective quarterbacks super large court contracts. Now, for everyone who's watching, remember the NFL is a hard cap league. So if you have $200 million to spend, and you give him, you give your quarterback $30 million, you have $170 million to distribute to the next 52 men on the active roster. So you saw conversations banding about all over the place. Now, should we see a cap on the amount quarterbacks especially get? And what about position caps? Oh, 
Oh, wait, were you asking? Yes, I'm asking. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm asking you. The wave. Okay, okay. What do you think should be happening with these contracts? Do you do you believe that we should start having position caps, especially for the quarterbacks, mm -hmm. because we're paying certain players or certain positions way too much money relative to the cap? Um, I didn't even think about that in terms of position caps, but I'd still say no. I don't, honestly, I like every few years this gets discussed and then the, the cap will get a, a bit higher and a bit higher over time and whatnot. I, I kind of, I like you with one of our previous topics, I'm kind of okay with the way it is. I, I think it, it, it allows for a bit more parity outside of just what the draft process is supposed to bring. That, that parity, that draft process. Because if a team chooses to pay, if, if you want to take, it's, it's like, it's your money. This is your <laughs> money. Spend it how you feel, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, JG went with us. It's your money. Use it how you want. Get it when you want and all kind of... If you want to take a quarter, hell, if you want to take half of your money and invest it in your quarterback, do that. But then you figure out how you're going to pay the, the, the rest of the team. I don't, I don't want to see a cap on a particular position because I, 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 I'm, I'm okay with guys getting their money, right? So as, as, as much as these markets reset and men get paid and break, the, break the, um, the record for the highest paid and the biggest contract, a lot of these men deserve their money. I, I have no problem with that. I don't want to see a cap. It's up to the teams to figure it out. It's as simple as that to me. I'm quite fine with the way it is right now. Okay. So, you know, they say that there are three that there are three positions in the NFL where teams do not normally have a problem with spending. And that is quarterback, the guy that's protecting the quarterback, mm -hmm. and the guy that's rushing the quarterback, right? Mm -hmm. So, in the grand scheme of things, we could consider that to be like the three flashy positions. Mm -hmm. So, if you... I'm going to take it outside of football and I, I can just use a real life example, right? No, this has never been my habit. I'm not asking you if it is yours. Mm -hmm. So if you choose to owe yourself, that is your business. <laughs> but if you, as a working man, right, you get your salary and you decide that rather, well, not rather, you decide that you're going to take your money when you get paid on Friday. And you're going to go to the strip club and blow your whole salary on the pretty dancer in front of you is on you to decide how you're going to get to work the next week and how you're going to feed yourself until next period. And I use the strip club instead of the casino because in the casino, you at least have a chance of getting the return. <laughs> when you go to the strip club, you are literally throwing all of your money away. You might as well go outside and buy all of your money in fireworks and sit down and light all of them on fire. So, likewise, if you as the GM and the cat people in your squad decide you're going to spend all your money, $200 million. You're going to give your quarterback $150 million. Good luck filling the rest of your roster out 
with the $50 million and you got 52 players to pay. You have a responsibility to manage your money. And if you can't manage your money, that is nobody else's problem but yours. You need to figure out how you need to how you're going to get this done. And to be honest, this is how some bad teams get better players <laughs> by overpaying them. By overpaying, yeah. Like $230 million over five years <laughs> by the Cleveland Browns. That is a perfect example. So I like you. I agree. It should stay the way it is because if you want to go to the strip club, go to the strip club. It's your prerogative. It's your prerogative. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I feel the need to defend myself. No, that is not me. I So I'm not outing myself. I, the, the fact they use that, that you use that example, I need to defend myself. And it's, it's funny you mentioned casinos because you know that on for my birthday recently, I was in Vegas. I didn't gamble a lick, Ken. I did not gamble a lick. I didn't think. I didn't my thing. My wife and I saw some sights mm -hmm. and we had some good food. Good, well some done. great experiences. That was it. Well done. I'm proud of you, sir. I'm proud <laughs> of you. Yeah, man. We, we, I didn't even buy a scratch ticket, boy. There you go. We have to be making prudent decisions with our money. Just like these teams and their caps. Indeed. Now, over to Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo is still a 49er. <laughs> From being an expected hot commodity to now wondering if he'll have a job, things have changed significantly for the quarterback. Now, after opting for shoulder surgery, he's now not expected to be able to throw until training camp. And now we're all watching to see what happens next for Jimmy G. So, what do you think happens to Jimmy? Well, so let me start us off by saying the Niners are in a very precarious position, right? Mm -hmm. um, Trey Lance has not really shown that he's ready to lead a, like a playoff-ready team that's trying to get back to a Super Bowl. And Jimmy is in limbo, right? Um, he hasn't shown what it takes either like, to be able to get them back to that Super Bowl as, as he was a part of. Or I, I know you would argue not, but in... Just for the sake of optics, he, he was on the team. So he helped them get there. <laughs> he hasn't shown that he has what it takes to get them back there. And, and his contract is big enough. And the thing is, he's not consistent enough when he is able to actually be on the field and not miss games through injury, right? So essentially, like the Niners, are, they, they, they're like kind of stuck. They're stuck with him. And, and as much as... I'm sure they'd love to get his contract off their books. They kind of stuck with him. And I mean, next year, well, yeah, by next season, you're going to have teams like the Falcons, the Panthers, even the Giants that are going to need a quarterback, right? But especially those three teams, they may all be so terrible in this upcoming season that they may have high lottery picks. And I, I, I mean, as of now, though, I'm not sure how the 2023 draft is supposed to be um, um, set up with regards to like quarterbacks and whatnot. Um, the, 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 the QB draft class of 20, I'm not sure how it's supposed to look. Um, but I mean, since the Panthers and Falcons were in a hunt for Deshaun, like they tried to put together a trade package for Jimmy. No, I, I mean, possibly, but like I said earlier, I'm not sure whether the Niners would actually trade him because they're not ready to lean on Trey. 
with the team that they have. Um, Jimmy, I could see moving somewhere next season, or if Trey makes very good use and, and has like a, a huge positive growth in his in his ability during the season in this time that he will get while Jimmy's injured, you never know. Jimmy might they might get try to get something, but not might, but they will. If Trey is able to like cement this number one spot, they will try to get rid of Jimmy um, before he becomes an unrestricted free agent. So they'll trade him by the deadline to just get anything back for him, right? Um, I still think that's improbable, but it's not impossible because I don't see Trey making that huge of a jump considering where the Niners want to be. Um, if, if that doesn't happen, Jimmy will get a job next season. He'll get a job next season when he's an unrestricted free agent. He'll, he'll get a job somewhere. I, I don't think the entire league will give up on him as yet. And the Dolphins going to be looking for a QB next year too. So with that kind of <laughs> roster that they're assembling, they're going to be looking for a quarterback. So, yeah. Yeah, but okay. So if the Dolphins are looking for a quarterback, I mean, next season, next season, next, next season. season. I, I know yeah. next season, but if, even if they're looking for a quarterback next season, is Jimmy Garoppolo the quarterback you're looking for? No, that's the thing. But we've seen cases where teams move just from worst to worse. I, uh, that's, that'll essentially be what is like the lesser of evils here. I'm not saying that Jimmy Garoppolo is the answer, but Tua is still not even Jimmy. That's the thing. At least if you're trying to put together that kind of roster to, to make a playoff run, it, it's, it's still, you could at least justify it by saying, well, you know what? Jimmy has, he has his, he's had his injuries, but he has a very good winning percentage. He helped the Niners to get to, to a Super Bowl. So they could, they could at least like, you know, lean on that excuse for a little bit, but there's no justification for Tua, really. At this point, I'm just saying, <laughs> let Jimmy's just a lesser of equals. That's all. Boy, Tua, I don't know what to do you, boy. Tua's the lashes for you every time. Let's <laughs> give people chances, boy. That's the thing. He hasn't done anything, which is why I have to give him lashes. Man, didn't do nothing yet. So, I mean, well, we know for sure, like, John Lynch has come out and said he's not cutting Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm -hmm. So, like you, I believe that Jimmy is stuck. He is he is stuck horribly. There are a couple of analogies popping in my head. I refuse to give any of them. He is just stuck. And the the bigger issue for him is that this the shoulder surgery that he, he got, that is going to get his way of trying to go anywhere. Because nobody exactly. is going to trade for Jimmy. Now the thing yeah. is you start with the 49ers trading away their life to move out to get Jimmy in the first place. Sorry, not to Jimmy, to get Trey Lance. Trey, Trey Lance, yeah. So after you do that, then everybody knows that you're going to want to trade your quarterback. And if everybody knows you're going to want to trade somebody, their trade value immediately bottoms out. So that's one. Two, Jimmy's injury history. And you find that right now he can't throw the ball. What am I going to give you? Remember, I had given you the analogy before. I don't even remember on what, but, but the DVD man that's on the corner. Right now, the foreigners are the DVD man on the corner because they're, they're not, they say they're not there yet, but eventually they're going to be like, what you got in your pockets? Whatever you got, man, just give it to me and you can have this. And this is for Jimmy 12 or 3 for 10. Exactly. <laughs> 
exactly. If you when it comes all the way down to it, is we can see Jimmy getting moved for a six rounder. We just mm-hmm. saw uh, Matt Ryan be traded for a third, mm-hmm. and Matt Ryan is not does not have the injury history that Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. has. So if Matt Ryan gets you a third, what can Jimmy get you with a bloated contract and the injury history that's stretching from my host to my host stadium? No, I'm sorry, but like you, I believe that Jimmy is going to still be on this roster, even though the 49ers don't necessarily want him to be. Mm-hmm. And when they go through training camp and they'll be hoping, you know, that some things happen throughout the league and maybe, maybe, just maybe, somebody then calls their number and say, hey, I'll give you something for Jimmy because right now we don't have anything else. And Carolina could be that team because Carolina, they still don't have, they got two quarterbacks and the two quarterbacks don't add up to one. So right now they could be lucky. They could be lucky to get somebody else in there but they're not going to trade no lot of picks no for an injured Jimmy Garoppolo that's just not going to happen I, I agree I agree I, I mentioned the Panthers thing um, is it a quarterback or quarterback less situation for want of a better word I don't like I guess like as you already alluded to as well the only issue is would the Niners want to make a trade because where do they go from there yeah, but we'll see how this how this progresses. Of course, and lastly, there is Baker Mayfield, your boy, <laughs> your boy who was out of Cleveland, and Cleveland wants to get rid of him, but they have nowhere to send him. Just like Jimmy, he like Jimmy has had surgery on his non-throwing shoulder after dealing with the injury that had hampered him for most of the regular season. Options are limited for him as well, but the expectation is that he won't be in Cleveland for much longer. So, Baker, what happens to the Baker? Well, so you had that he was linked with the Steelers and whatnot. Um, I, I don't, the league isn't done with Baker as yet either, though. Granted, he may not be a starter. Next year, depend. Well, he he still has possibilities to be that. To be very honest, there's still teams, a couple teams, and we and we just mentioned a couple of them that need quarterbacks at least for this year. Like just a place for the. We still didn't even mention the, the Seahawks. Um, I saw, saw that 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 like I said, you have that he was linked with the Steelers. I I don't know if this. I see the Steelers making this move. They already have like four unproven players in that QB. <laughs> Uh, Trubisky, who they just signed, Mason Rudolph, who they should be letting go, and then there's Dwayne Haskins, who I, you know, why didn't I put that in my segment? I said this guy was going to be a bust. Anyhow, that's a good, <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Um, thanks for that. Reminding me about that, and and then Josh Dobbs, I don't even didn't even know he was still there. Um, no, at this stage, adding a fifth unknown to this equation kind of seems like overkill to me. But obviously, if they do add Baker, then some of the, at least two of those other guys most likely are going to be going in the opposite direction, right? I believe. So um, it is possible, but I, uh, to me, it's just kind of improbable. Again, this is one of those things. 
I, I just find it highly improbable that they are, that the Steelers actually move to bring Baker in. But I don't think that a starting spot is out of the realm of possibility for Baker next season if one of these teams, you know, decide to just take a flyer on him. Because um, this is the last year. What is his contract? I don't even know what his contract is. This is the last year. He becomes an unrestricted in 2023 as well. Correct. Yeah. I can see one of these teams. There's still at least three or four teams that, that could give him a starting spot for this year and, you know, see what he can do and then make a decision from there. So when we look at the situation for Baker Mayfield, the one thing that the Browns have not done compared to what the 49ers have done is that the Browns have not ruled out the possibility of cutting Baker. Mm. The 49ers said, no, we know how are we cutting Jimmy. But the Browns have been silent in that regard. So I believe what is most likely to happen is that Baker gets cut. They don't keep... Well, they will want to cut Baker when they know what happens with Deshaun. If Deshaun is confirmed to not be facing league sanctions and is going to be the week one starter, Baker is cut with the swiftness. However... If he is not, but if it's not confirmed or if there is confirmed that he, he being Deshaun is going to be suspended, let's say, 68 weeks, which is the expectation or the estimation that we're hearing most common. Then if nobody brings a trade package for Baker, then Baker mostly starts his season as a Cleveland Brown, even though he absolutely wants nothing to do with the Browns any further. But he is under contract, so he will honor his contract. I, as much as I have been critical of Baker, I don't think he's a fool. And only a fool will give up that money when he doesn't have anybody trying to give him any. Now, hmm. the Steelers, the situation with the Steelers is that the Steelers have said that if Baker is a free agent, hmm they would be interested in bringing him in. Now, I don't know how that plays in Cleveland because that's your division rival telling you well, if you get rid of your quarterback, well, we'll pick him up. I don't know how that plays. Seahawks, no, they seem to be interested in tr trotting out Drew Locke for the beginning of the season. So that's really not there for Baker either. And then Carolina... Well, he's playing on his fifth-year option. They've already picked up the fifth-year option for Sam Darnold. They have conversations with Cam Newton to bring him back. Baker is better than the, than the two of them. I will give him that. But does Baker want to go to Carolina? And Carolina is not trading for Baker because just like what I just said with Jimmy in terms of trade value, you know that the Browns just give away the future to get Deshaun Watson. Why am I going to come and replenish your stock of picks to get a quarterback that is not necessarily my answer going forward? Mm -hmm. So I expect Baker to be cut. I don't know where he pops up next. I just know that whenever he's doing his progressive as at home with Baker Mayfield, it's going to look a whole lot different in 2022. I... I, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, I, what I will add, the one thing I will 
Um, I will not add, but kind of rebut is that I still don't feel like the Seahawks are completely out of it. They they did trade Russ and they got back Drew Lock, but things could change, situations could change, and it was after all of this took place that Deshaun landed in in Cleveland. Now I'm not saying necessarily how they would go about like they would necessarily trade for Baker, but I'm saying I can still see Baker taking that path and going to Seattle and playing ahead of Drew Lock. Just just to see because I'm I don't think I. I, Drew Locke was a part of a trade, but Drew Locke is not a starting quarterback in the NFL right now. He really isn't. B- Baker might not be the answer in Cleveland, but he's a, he's a, he's at least a starter ahead of Drew Locke. So I, I'm not I I I am not ruling out the Seahawks yet. We'll see what how that progresses. But I'm I, I'm I was saying that to say that even if he is cut, because I realized I kind of skip past all of that just as like looking talking about his potential destinations because I don't expect him to be beyond this season. So I was thinking ahead to next season in any case. But um, if he does get cut, to your point, I still feel like Seattle could be in for him. I do. I do. Uh, if he's a free agent and then they can afford to pay him whatever they want, then I can see a few teams being interested. I'm just really, really, really happy that the New Orleans Saints are not one of them. <laughs> We are going to roll with Jameis. <laughs> we have told Taysom Hill that the quarterback thing is over. So he's going to be a tight end. We've brought in, uh, what's his name, Andy Dalton. Red Rifle. As our backup. I have no problem with that. As long as he's my backup and not my starter, I have I no think, issues with that. I think it's solid as a backup. I actually like it. Yeah. I like it a lot. Mm. As uh, we don't have room, no for Baker Mayfield and his ego. So I'm happy with that. And that is a great landing spot for this week's episode of the Green Bears podcast. So AJ, you were saying that you had some, that you should have put something in your in your spot. So I'm guessing that we have another accurate or not. Yeah, like I said, I've been trying to, to, to formulate because obviously what I usually do is go back and remember some of our discussions and stuff that I may have been right about, stuff that I may have been wrong about. And this is one This is one thing. Dwayne Haskins is one topic that I was right about. So before I get into that too much, I will, I'll throw that in somewhere um, whenever, probably when I'm doing my, my next one or yeah, something along those lines. Even, even I'm trying to, to make it as soon as possible, but you know, for sure that he's like a good topic to have around the the draft around the draft yeah, around draft time because mm-hmm. I made this the prediction about him uh, at the night of the draft the night that he was drafted okay no problem and of course for those of you who were with us on Sunday we had a nice time doing an Instagram live so we'll be looking to do more of those in the future probably once a month you'll see us pop up on IG live and we'll definitely let you know when the next one is going to be because it's always fun to have you guys interacting with us as we are you know breaking things down and chopping things up so as always that is AJ he is the green I am Ken, I am the Beige, and we will see you next time.